Olivia, come in. Welcome to my apartment because we're you. on shutdown and you cleaned your whole body before you came here. I did. Didn't you bring any germs from the outside world, no, please? I've had a very hot, hot scalding shower. Did you really? Dipped myself in anti... You look scorched. I'm scorched. <laughs> had You're, a ginger shot. You gave me a ginger shot, right? I'm about to sip it. I love ginger so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's harsh. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's real harsh. I like that. It feels like I'm instantly 10 times healthier. You are. I can see you. Mmm. Yeah. Transforming into a Hulk-like kind of <laughs> superhuman. <laughs> now we're going to do this for another six minutes. <laughs> People Enjoy just listen the podcast, to me drink. guys. <laughs> um, you just telling me, you, you, what do you call them? Artistrins? Artisan. Artisans. Yeah. It means people that do crafts by hand. And traditionally, yeah. And traditionally. Yeah. As they were intended. Are the people that you had at your fashion walk show the other day? Fashion yeah. walk show? <laughs> your catwalk show? The, the your runway. runway. Yeah, yeah. Your runway. Um, yeah. And people that I suppose have done, like in my case, after living in Istanbul for five years, where I learnt how to make jewellery, the people I worked with would all be considered artisans because they have a very traditional um, craft and it's sort of been passed down to them through you know, their families and so like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you could call in modern day an artisan, I guess as well. Even like if you think of a carpenter, for me, that's an artisan because you're sort of using old techniques. An electrician. Yeah. I mean, I would say so Mm. because you're, you know, it's, it's, I suppose manual labor, and it's, but it's not about making an art piece or it's about making something that's functional. So yeah. And also something that could be like, you know, a, an element maybe of an art piece. For example, the the people that I work with that, um, you know, uh, what's the word? They shape the stones, they cut the stones, they would be right. artisans. Right. Yeah. So you, you hand make your amazing jewelry. I stumbled across your jewelry, I don't know, about like five or six years ago, probably more, because uh, I just love the style of it. Like it feels Thanks. very rich, handmade. It's kind of organically, yeah. like generated, which is obviously what you were saying a minute ago about the wax thing. Yeah, um, and it, it's just dope. It's they're Thank just you. cool like patterns and styles. Well, yeah. So I learned how to make jewelry in Istanbul where, when I moved there. Oh, wait, how long ago? That was like 2013 or 2014. I'm really bad with years, but I think mm. it was around then. It was after six years in Paris, mm. and I had an existential crisis. Moved to pa- moved to Istanbul, really, and learned how to make jewelry with these old men that didn't speak English so I know oh, fascinating bonkers um and so then I was learning from the originals if you think about it like I don't know, have you been to Istanbul I've got, I've got to ask you about your existential crisis I've got to be honest I've got to find out more about that first yeah but, but I haven't heard about those people are they so they're all so they're all old men that have been making jewelry like basically since their early teens because their parents would teach them or their dads mostly because mostly men are in the jewelry industry and women are more textiles in right. in Turkey. All oh, right. Yeah. And so what happened? What, what catalyzed the existentialism? Well, I moved to Paris when I was 18. I, I was with my ex-boyfriend there. And I was sort of doing the, the, you know, the good things, going to school, going to uni, doing my master's. I found a job in um, an advertising agency. I was doing strategic planning and, right. and all of that. Um, and it was sort of like, if you look at it from the outside, I was doing all the right things. Um, By so, who's standard? <laughs> well, not, clearly not mine. 
<laughs> probably I'd say I would say that I was doing the things I, sh- I thought I should be doing and it sort of made sense yeah. if you looked at it you know yeah. all the elements all the boxes were ticked and I was so young but obviously the, that relationship was rocky the whole time when I look back but in it I was just in it mm. um, and then yeah and then I sort of just started to claim back my independence I think from the relationship and step back a bit and I saw okay this isn't actually where I want to be for the rest of my life went to Istanbul for a week on my own and then that was like really a pivotal moment in my life because I was like there is so much going on here and all the colors and it's very inspiring but like it's one of those places you walk into it and you feel like you've just walked into a parallel universe it doesn't feel like anything you've ever seen before Mm. and then I just sort of started to make contacts there I was going between Paris and Istanbul, selling jewellery in Paris. And then I was just like, you know what, Paris, I think we're done like, like for a long time. Yeah. I didn't want to live there anymore. I wanted to go back, but I needed that space first. Left my ex and then just went to Istanbul, found a room in a share house and started learning how to make jewellery and wow. learn Turkish. So, yeah, I think I needed that sort of bad experience with him to, you know, push me onto the the next thing and you know I wouldn't have realized how much I was sort of clipping my own wings had I not been with someone that did it for me mm, mm, mm. <laughs> if you know what I mean yeah sometimes so. the worst traumatic events we experience or the worst just bad traumatic events actually serving us definitely and that's what well I have this um, psychologist now who's a, who's a Jungian and he was like you always are gonna go, yeah mm. he's like you're always going to go looking for the thing that you need to do for yourself he's like so he made all the decisions in that relationship, but actually it was teaching you how to, you know, get your power back and make the decisions for yourself. Right. And now I'm just like so different to what I was then. I wouldn't even recognize myself probably. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And what, what was the um, process of learning how to make? And what, so why were you even charmed towards making jewelry? I think like I have a kind of a strong perspective on creativity that when you tap into something, it could have been really a lot of things, but that you just go down one path and find a thing that resonates with you at the time, but actually it makes you more prone to creativity in general. So I think jewelry was the thing at the time because I was in Istanbul and it was, you know, it really, I suppose, enchanted me because it's, you know, you adorn yourself with it, but also it's, it tells so many stories also of traditional cultures. And if you look into it, there's all kinds of um, background stories into, you know, nomadic jewellery of that region and, like, yeah. you know, the, the spice route between India all the way up to Turkey and how people were trading. I just found it completely fascinating. All the men I met with the, you know, stone cutters from Afghanistan, the different regions that have amazing stones. Like Afghanistan, I get a lot of... Turk, uh, sorry, lapis lazuli and agate from there, which are hand engraved. And then Iran, we get amazing um, turquoise. So I think having grown up in eastern Melbourne, obviously you don't know any of this stuff. So I was just completely, it was like in a candy shop, just excited. And and then, you know, I met people that were sort of showing me things and the Turks are very welcoming. So I was you know, welcomed, even though they thought I was pretty weird because I was just an Australian girl (laughs) in Istanbul learning Turkish. They were like, you're a bit weird, but we'll just go with it. Um, And then, I don't know, I just sort of met these people that were like, yeah, come back tomorrow. This old guy who didn't speak any English. Obviously, it was meant to be because I don't know how I understood him because I didn't speak Turkish then. And then I went back and started... So how do you signal come back tomorrow? (laughs) 
He <laughs> just like we played charades for a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like. Um, and so I went back the next day at nine in the morning. I think. Oh, probably not. Nine's very early in Turkey. It was probably eleven. And then he was teaching me how to make things with wax, and then showing me the casting process and polishing and all of that. And then I just sort of started to develop my own style. So you know, it started with him sort of instructing me, saying. Oh you know, make a bird or make a, I don't know, a star. And I was playing with my little tools and... How fun. Yeah. It must be something so... Like, I think that I miss... I mean, I make things with my hands, but it's a laptop and, you know, mm-hmm. and ca- holding the camera then... You're a computer artist. I'm a computer artist. But it's it does feel very crafty. Like, there's nuances and there's beats to the narrative that you've got to... Like, it, it's, it's a very feeling-orientated um, pursuit and, yeah. and of play, really. But... This is something I, you know, like I used to love that as a kid, like being a handyman or like fixing yeah. things with my hands and building things with wood and then sawing it off. And all that. it's the same kind of thing that you're doing is like of actually producing something with your physical hands in the physical world. Yeah. Is a, is a pretty awesome. It, it feels like a bit primitive or something, right? Definitely. And I think you actually have to go back and kind of unlearn all the things you've learned at school, how to be, you know, to learn perfectly. Ginger shot was amazing. Thank Great. you. Great. I'm glad. So, so good. Do you feel better? Yes. You're going to fight Corona. Like I probably already got it and got rid of it in the time that you've come and gone. Probably. I mean, you're still here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're 1.5 meters away from each other. So <laughs> yes. all's good. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, as I was saying, I think you go through high school and you sort of mold yourself to a system and then you kind of have to unless you've you know sustained throughout your whole life a very dedicated creative practice I think you can somehow forget what it is to be a a child that just makes things without feeling worried about being judged Mm. so I think I need I needed to go through that whole process of like breaking the shackles that I had created in that relationship in the like logical life I had in Paris Mm. you know had the apartment had the job had my master's degree, but was very much missing something kind of, yeah, primitive. And then going to Istanbul, I had to like remake all of that, all the sort of foundational structures of my life, which I'd, you know, created over six years in Paris and then fill it up with things like fill up the structure that I'd made with things that actually gave me joy as opposed to just, you know, the things that I thought, okay, you've got to do this in order to get to the next thing. It's interesting that 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 pivot is a huge one for a lot of people because it's 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 rife with fear, isn't it? Like it it's, is. It's almost yeah. like easier if a traumatic event forces you to into Definitely. the unknown. I mean, you could. I mean, that's a horrible thing to say because there's some awful traumatic situations out there. But part of me goes that you know it's it's so hard to forget and let go of comfort and known and safety and. But and, and to tune into that part of yourself that's like, oh, this doesn't feel right and I want to do things that make me feel joyful or find out what I want to do with my life. And that's, yeah. a, that's tricky. It's very, very difficult. And also then you have to relearn about your relationship with your creativity as an adult, which is a lot harder because, you know, we've sort of been instilled with this notion of perfection and mm. also like it being kind of a superfluous activity if it doesn't bring you monetary you know, wealth really like, so I think in the beginning I was kind of like, I was feeling heartbroken, but also rebellious. I was kind of like, whatever to everything, feeling a bit fiery, but also really sad inside. So I was just kind of going in, you know, to the grand bazaar and making things, but also reflecting a lot on 
the last six years. And I was only 24, 25 when I went to Istanbul. So I was very young. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think I needed the bad experience and it's not even that bad when I look back, it feels worse because it was sort of the triggering thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm, like it was mm. the thing that triggered mm. me leaving and then starting something new, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I think the hardest thing after that was then being at peace with the actual creative process, I think, mm. you know, cause it's also making something that then becomes your livelihood from a naive place like creativity is also a tricky thing than, you know, pricing things and, you know, marketing it. It's that's all. That's another kettle of fish. How did you, how did you move into that area? Like, so you started making it. I'm also interested in just the process. So you, you take a, can you talk us through the process of actually making what you make? Sure. So it depends if I'm often, I'll start from the stone or the relic that I'm working with and then build up from that. So if I've got, for example, a nice piece of turquoise, then I'll make the sort of the shape around it if it's a, if it's going to be set in a ring, for example, and I'll make the the shape with wax around the piece. And I've got this thing that I call my wand. It's like a little heat wand that you use to sort of solder the pieces of wax together. And then you know you've got all the tools that are like kind of like dentistry tools, like little sharp objects that you can like engrave shapes and. Um, you know, texture into the bands or whatever you're making. And then you've got to know that it's probably will shrink 5%. So if you're making a ring, you make it just a tiny bit bigger than the size, etc. And then we make like, and then you take out the stone and give it to the casters who then cast that. So it's called lost wax. That's the traditional technique. And then the, the piece comes out obviously as a metal and then you have to do all the polishing and the stone setting. But yeah, it's a, like quite a slow process as well. Because the stone setting is like gluing gems inside it? Yeah, or with, so you'll have, it depends on the kind of shape of the stone and, you know, the setting um, that you're doing. But often it'll be with claws or if like Indian style, often it's just like sort of hammered around the stone slightly so that the stone can't oh, wow. move. But you wow. can't really tell it. I'm not wearing anything with an actual stone setting. To yeah. I'm wearing this one with the rubies around it. So you can see each one of those little stones has little tiny claws. Oh my God, they're so small. Yeah, and those ones are set by a pro. He's um, in Florence and he does it under a microscope. That's by insane. Hand. They're so small. Like to give people an idea, it's probably like each gem's like a millimeter yeah, wide. Probably. Or a bit yeah. more. Yeah. Millimeter and a half. But it looks, yeah, probably a millimeter. Mm-hmm. And then. And there's like like 50 of them. Well, not 50 of them. How many is it? Probably like 30 of them. Probably, yeah. 30 around. Little rubies. And they're each handset. I know. That's from the fine collection. So that's 18 karat solid gold. Wow. Because I I know people think I change my jeweler every day, but I really don't. (laughs) Right. Do you keep them all? Yeah. All the same stuff. Yeah, right. It's kind of like a chef. You're not going to go home and make what you make at your restaurant at your house. I just wear the same stuff. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What What do you feel about... The energy of which jewelry holds, because people talk a bit about that in terms of like you lose a piece when you're meant to part ways with it, or sometimes like w- weird things happen. If something happened in your life, you, your gold chain just snaps and then disappears. You don't wear it again. And yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Um, Is that I just think a bit superstitious? Kind of, but all those superstitions do come from old, old folkloric traditions. Um, like if you look at ancient Vedic astrology, like 
Jyotish, so ancient Indian. Mm. They talk about, you know, the energies of stones and stuff, but that's based on your birth chart, so your planet alignments. Right. And they actually, interestingly, because I think in the West we kind of appropriate things and just make everything spiritual and marketable. Yeah. Um, but with stones, I've got this friend who's the one I just did the interview with on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is your podcast? Um, What's the name of it? How can people find it? Cleopatra's bling podcast. So we've the first, we've just done the first episode and ironically it's now that everyone's in lockdown. I feel really good about launching it because everyone will have some nice stuff to listen to. Mm. But Laura Plum is my friend. She's a Vedic astrologer and Ayurvedic nutrition nutritionist. So mm. she, actually was the one that told me not every stone is good for everyone you can't just get a rose quartz and be like this is great for you Mm. she's like some things will actually clash and according to Mm. you know jyotish tradition jyotish is really ancient indian law um you know not every stone is good for you Mm. so i think i've got a lot of sort of i don't i i think i would hesitate to give people a pe- like my opinion on what they should wear mm. i would say i think you should go get an actual reading from someone who's qualified you can obviously talk about stones in terms of their generic qualities mm. in my case i meant to wear a yellow sapphire i have one i just haven't said it yet ah. um and then my mum, for example is meant to wear pearls according to jyotish right. tradition so there's a lot of there's a lot of different schools of thought which i find really interesting it's really interesting. Yeah, and were they based off? Yeah, they based off like where the stars are at and everything, and where you when you were born. And that your way. planet alignments. I know right. you're a Pisces in Western. Yeah, in Western yeah. astrology. I, I don't think know I'm, what you I'm are. Sagittarius in Eastern. When oh. Vader's in, I've got. I did the Vedic stuff. Okay, I'm a I'm my I'm a Pisces moon. Actually, in Vedic astrology, your moon is what they look at the most. Oh, right. So weirdly, I'm a Pisces moon. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to know what your moon is, but we'll do this okay. <laughs> offline later. <laughs> Are you sure people might be interested in... The deep depths of jazz. Um, yeah, so they the stones can have like energy, and but it's like lining it with you. Definitely. I would like... I think, yeah... There's a lot of stuff that floats around the Western world, like, you know, wear this for this. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that stuff is marketed maybe from a fragment of information that is accurate, right? but can, in, in a certain context. Yeah. So often, I, you know, I get a lot of those emails where people are like, I need this stone for this mm, mm. or asking me for things for serious illnesses as well, which mm. I just simply can't like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> advise people on. But, it, you know, every, and everyone has got their own opinion. And if it makes you feel good, I feel that that has some merit as well. Mm, mm. That's the thing. I think it makes some people, I have people that believe in it all or mm. feel like there's real truth in it and it makes them real happy. And yeah, it's like, why well, you can't really knock it. And some shit just resonates for some people. Some shit doesn't resonate for some people. Exactly. The way it go and laugh. Definitely. <laughs> um, so the process of like would have taken a while before you started selling it and then you marketed it online and you've yeah. done a really great job of that with um, on social media and stuff. Thanks. So that, that's, that's kind of where you started. It felt weird actually because I was going from this like very intimate, it kind of feels like when I'm making jewelry, I'm making a meal for like really close friends and then I'm sort of very introverted during that period mm. of creativity and then I have to go do all the, the back end sort of marketing profit margin all Mm. that stuff and Mm. i'm just like 
whoa. Sometimes it takes me a couple of weeks to sort of transition. Oh, I bet. Because it's, it's very school of thought. It's so yeah, it's so hard. And I'm I would say I'm equally, you know, business minded as I am creative. So I am able to do it. I just find it sometimes a bit abrasive. Yeah. Going from oh, totally. mode A to mode B, and then you know, then speaking with I don't know shops and press and you know, and sometimes they're like, all right, so tell us the inspiration behind this collection. And I'm like, um, like I know what it is, but then articulating, I'm like, I don't know. I just made it like, <laughs> but you know, then I, obviously there is stuff that's gone on, but I have to sort of go back and crystallize it in, in words yeah. before then releasing it, you know, cause press release, you can't just be like Olivia made a collection. Yeah, yeah. It's like, they know that you've got to give them something to yeah, work with, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know. Maybe made a collection from the bottom of her heart. Exactly. <laughs> While she's walking her dogs. Exactly. In <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> I'm you should make sure. a parody one of one. Be I should funny. make a parody, um, like press release, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> this is like how you came to conceive this jewelry line. Yeah. Under really benign circumstances, like doing the laundry or just something just exactly. normal. Exactly. <laughs> or just because I wasn't allowed to leave the house because we have a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Which you, isn't far uh, from we, the truth at this point. I'm just going to continue making stuff. Yeah. Now that I've gotten used to the idea that I'm going to be locked up for a while, mm. I think I'm just going to get into it. And How are you adapting with being locked up for a while? I have so many mood swings and I'm not actually like a very moody person. So I've just already given my boyfriend like my disclaimer. I'm like, I'm feeling really weird, but don't worry. If I feel weird, it'll just pass in like an hour or so. <laughs> He's just like, run. Like, yeah, I'm like, just run for cover when I'm not here. But, like, I've got moments where I'm like, this is so hopeful for humanity. Like, we're going to have a massive shift. We're going to be fine. And then I'm like, an hour later, I'm watching the news. And I'm like, we're so fucked and doomed. Like, and look at our politicians telling us business as usual. Mm. Like, I'm just, and then I get really bitter. And then I t- turn it around. And I'm like, I'm fine. We're going to be fine. You know? So, I don't know. I think I'm just... Adjusting. Also, collective energy is a big thing. And if everyone's feeling exhausted and fearful, mm. you're going to, it's going to affect you, mm. you know? So I think, yeah, like I don't like going to the supermarket anymore. Mm. I just find it very anxiety inducing. Mm. Everyone's like hectic, you know, like. Yeah, it's funny. It's, there's degrees to which it affects you, isn't it? Like obviously fine when you watch the news or you see something yeah. that really affects you in, in intense amounts because you're like receiving it mm-hmm. and then there's the elements of like it just being in the air or some kind of it's more totally spiritual ethereal like 100%. collective consciousness state which is obviously normal because i mean i think they've they can't really prove it through science but there's a lot of evidence that that's what occurs in nature how well, like, i was gonna say if trees communicate under the under yeah, the, mushrooms communicate through yeah. the air it's all this shit so like it's, it's no surprise that we're pretty powerful more fucking beings we're gonna be communicating <laughs> through the air as well hello storms my dog's just come up fresh I'm snug getting his sleep and dust out of his eye that's an ocd thing i'll do <laughs> <laughs> that's because um, you're a dad now <laughs> um but yeah it's like it we I've, i have the same feelings like when i stick, stick on the news i don't do it much but dad was doing it the other day so because he always watches it and I watched a bit and I was like, fuck, I hate this shit so much. I like, I hate, I hate news. I hate that it's always so negative. And they're like, I guarantee you, motherfuckers, some good shit's going on out there. Just put, what about putting that on and making everyone feel good about things? I know. Dumb cunts. 
it pisses me off. It's so fucking ignorant and irresponsible. It's irresponsible and also like it it just breeds fear. But then but then I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist. My friend who is will probably listen to this will be so proud of me right now. But um Celeste, this is a shout out to you. <laughs> and you all your conspiracies <laughs> bow down. down. So basically, you know, she's been telling me she's like and then what they're going to do is they're just going to bring out a compulsory um vaccine for everyone. And then control us all through fear by telling us if you don't have this vaccine, you can't go anywhere, you can't, you know, oh, travel, yeah. all this stuff. So there's a lot of stuff underneath, you know, the the facade of whatever's mm. going on, like, you know, power plays and, you know, all the economies and like now big farmers getting involved. So I just want to live my little life mm. and not have to be involved mm. in any mm. of this. But we... That's a fascinating conspiracy, though, because you could. There are drugs that can basically sedate the masses. That's it, exactly. And so, that's the perfect way to get it to the masses. Well, one hundred percent by saying if you don't take this, you'll get coronavirus, and you know maybe I want corona. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> corona beer. Did you say that no one's buying corona? Oh, no, <laughs> that's I so mean, funny. I just. I've, that so made me funny. kind of lose faith in humanity yeah, when yeah, I saw yeah. that. I'm like, a lot of things make you a lot. Uh, one thing I've noticed is like it's like this under the underlying fear mm-hmm. in most bodies, anatomies, whatever you call them, things, peoples. <laughs> that, that it just comes to the surface in times like this. Like it gets triggered and everyone's like, yeah, like, like real base chakra stuff. Like yeah, like they haven't like, dealt with a lot of shit. Pull, pulling their knives out and like. You know, stabbing each other over bloody toilet paper. It's what it's a worrying thing for like for it's, crime. I find it and, very, yeah. yeah, very terrifying. I think that's what gets me down is when I see what's going on rather than kindness. Because I think you know, if you think about the, there is a lot of kindness though. We've got to give shouts to a lot of kindness. Definitely, yeah. but I think like why does the news focus on the fear? Fear, you know, inducing information. I mean, the, I don't know. Stimulant. I'm torn. Yeah. I'm torn between thinking it really is as bad as they say. And then thinking, well, humanity's got this far and we're in 2020. So surely, like, we'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Everyone else has figured it out in the past. Yeah. And also, like, I think people, not a lot of people that ill intended as well with the, like, mass sedations of potentials, vaccines and stuff, which, I mean, that's a complete theory. I'm sure that vaccines, are, I feel like vaccines do work. But I mean, I don't take flu yeah. vaccines anymore and I'm still fine, but I don't I, get vaccinated, but I think like, you know, depending on your location and like, you know, but yeah. isn't it just proof that we're so out of balance with the world? Cause if we were in balance with nature, we wouldn't need all these things to probably largely help us, like survive Yeah, because we're designed to survive. You know, we, we've created this warlike mentality where we need to protect ourselves from nature, from the other, from, you know, and that goes into, you know, immigration and like, you know, paying mm. your taxes. There's this constant duality that the our authority s- sets up so that we feel mm. fearful of the other. Mm. So now we've got this thing. A virus is just another form of the other. It's so true. This thing like running through... Mm. And now not only, so now I don't know, probably no one's thinking about Im- immigrants anymore and um, asylum seekers. Now it's not time virus. to fucking jump islands. <laughs> yeah. And now, and now we've got the, now we've got the virus, which is even more freaky because it's unseen. You can't yeah. see it. It's just yeah. like, you yeah. know, it's airborne. So I think really it's just a reflection of, of like, I think we need this to, to kind of, you know, in a way 
shake us. Yeah, and shake things up. Like, stop being so fearful of everything. But at the same time, it's now very real because we haven't taken things seriously in respect to the nature. So it is actually something that's out there multiplying. Mm. That great meme I thought was really relevant is like, it's like Earth's told us to go to your room and think about what you've done. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And that's what it does feel like. And it, I mean, you can talk, you can go down all these rabbit holes of like, this is fascinating. This is potential. This is what could be happening. This is what could be happening. At the end of the day, like it's, it's good to just, I think, or for, for mental wellness, just to come back to what's happening right now for me, right now, right now, and just not overload the brain with stresses because i definitely do that and oh, like, me too. and so it's n- n- right now we're we're healthy we're really great we've eaten a lot of healthy food we're good company we're warm everything's fine and and also like i kind of think like it's fascinating to just watch what's going to happen because we'll be all right like we're the more you can keep in that kind of mindset of like calmness i guess in the storm mm. the better chance i think you're going to have to be able to discern truth from fiction and and bullshit from what's actually going on when more tumultuous times come because it's going to probably get more tumultuous before it's going to get good i imagine i i absolutely think so i mean it, we've, we've really just started here in australia haven't we and we're on track for italy stats apparently did you hear that yeah we've got and the same rate of deaths that's gonna it's gonna start peaking i just yeah, like I'm not trying to undermine it at all. Like I'm not worried about myself getting sick. Like I'm not – and if I did, I think I'd be fine because in, you know, people in their 30s, it's kind of manifests as a bad cold. Although they've, they have several cases, yeah. Yeah, there are a few cases where it's been really bad. It's more worrying for the vulnerable, you know, and economically, obviously, for people it's tough. But if everyone's going through the same economic um, difficulty, mm. the government's going to have to do something. Yeah. Which obviously will pay more taxes later, but yeah, at least you know to get us through. What's interesting? One other little rabbit hole I was wondering about is like these system. This is a chance for the systems that aren't serving us to dissolve themselves and for people to create new systems because there's some smart fuckers out there and people are doing yeah. amazing things. And I feel like it's kind of a time for generating new ideas and generating a, a rebirth in a lot of ways because it's a mass. It's a they say like mass rebellion mass social rebellion is what creates forces change and it's um i think actually russell brand talked about it recently at his um after his show in uh in melbourne recently i wish so i'd been to that i didn't even know it was that. very very funny yeah he's hilarious but i think it was like in in history and i know it's like rebellions never or revolutions never really end that well um but in t- order to wake up the government, it takes like, you know, a few thousand people probably in Melbourne, like four or 5,000 people that are willing to die to create enough disruption for people to listen. But that's a horrible and frightening possibility. Do you think that's like kind of a maybe outdated perspective not outdated but in in that maybe they don't need to die necessarily for it to work but no but, but willing to die i mean okay, like so right. i put in their lives right on the line to go we're not fucking moving you need to do something different but like i i don't i'm not well researched enough for this i'm just literally re- regurgitating what i heard okay because i think it's yeah i think maybe in you know the 70s kind of po- you know vietnam war kind of revolution style where everyone was anti vietnam war and out on the streets like rebelling Hmm. i think 
I don't know if I feel like now we're so spoiled in our ability to access anything when we want it, Mm. that maybe that inner drive has been a little bit dimmed by Mm. the overexposure to technology and Mm. everything kind of delivered to us. Yeah. So maybe this, you know, being locked up at home and not being able to do the things we are used to doing, and especially in Australia where I think we're very spoiled. And I do, like, overly overly spoiled as well in a way which creates apathy. Yeah. So I think having lived in Istanbul, for example, I really saw people that had slaved to get to where they were, right. you know, fighting against the patriarch, fighting against, you know, you know, religious sort of indoctrines and all that, you know, like I just, yeah, I think maybe this is hard for Australia as well because we're so used to things being really smooth. Yeah, it's true. That's yeah. why the bog roll is a perfect example of that is that, oh my fucking God, <laughs> you know, like people yeah. freak the shit out for one like luxury item. Yeah. When you call it, what do you call it? <laughs> luxury item. <laughs> I don't know if it's luxury. Just, it will become just one luxury. Little com- it's one little comfort, I suppose, exactly. that we got. Yeah. And they're like, shit, no, don't take our one little comfort. Exactly. And I think I saw this meme. I don't know how it's, you know, accurate all these things are we're saying on Instagram and all yeah. that, but one person posted a thing, which I think went a bit viral. They're saying, you're worried about, not getting your Panadol and your toilet paper. What about the Palestinians on Gaza Strip for the last 13 years? And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm not going to complain <laughs> for about a month in my Art Deco apartment in queue. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll be fine. <laughs> like it kind of, you know, put me back into my reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which this stuff does, doesn't it? Like it, it's a funny, it's, fa- it's so fascinating to watch how much it's shaken us up. Mm-hmm. Like it's... It's almost weirdly surreal. Like I it, feel surreal. I'm very tired surreal. as well. Are you tired yeah. more than usual? Uh, no, no, I'm all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had this like dull headache and like sleeping a lot. I don't right. have corona, by the way. I just think it, it feels like a, he just looked at me. He just got a little bit nervous. Uh, can you leave through the window? You, maybe we'll just uh, cancel the podcast. No, I'm thinking that it's definitely like stress induced. Like I don't feel stressed for me. It's just like a collective stress that my body's picking up on, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of stress in the air. Stormzy's never been up here. He's not going to be able to get it. <laughs> I was actually thinking about the other day. I'm like, my dogs have no idea what's going on. All they want is their walk, their breakfast. Yeah. They're like snugs on the couch. Snugs. It's amazing this is like something we've talked about forever. I mean, like people have always said this is an expected thing that will happen, like a pandemic, a pandemic you know, a viral pandemic. And there's, you know, it's, it's, it's happened in small forms before, but like, it's just, it's so funny. One, one reflection I found interesting is like how America pulled their contingency plan for something like this a few, like either in the recent history when Trump stepped in. But they invest so much money in war, but then something like this happens and they've got the fucking no protection against something that will kill way more of their people potentially than all but these that's other... The, that's the irony of this concept that we've built about the other rather than like an, uh, you know, a state of wholeness as a world Yeah, and feeling like I think humans are so arrogant in feeling that they can just fight to create peace. It's like you can't actually fight for peace like you've got to like it just doesn't work mm, mm. it's like what they're like, I mean look at look at the Middle East mm. and it's sort of just like a, a you know I think the virus really 
terrifies people because you can't see it. Mm. And it's so contagious. It's so weird. That, it's isn't such it? a very, and I think in, it's very interesting because humans are such control freaks. Yeah. And we've grown to think that we can control everything in our lives. And I think it's kind of humbling. Well, guys, no, we can't. And nature is always going to win, really. Mm, mm. So, I mean, ask me again if I, you know, in a couple of weeks how I'm feeling, I'll probably be like, fuck. But like, <laughs> yeah. but right now I feel like, yeah, it's like a big thing for us because of us always, you know, hum- humans always needing to know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And like, you know, we've created all this stuff about the other and what's dangerous in the world, but what's really dangerous is us not them yeah yeah whoever they are yeah. anyway yeah like, it's just very confusing. that's what's so infuriating about a lot of the ag- public agendas of war when like america saying they're going to war like you sound like the biggest fucking cunt terrorist right now chatting about how you want to bo- like go to fight a war on whatever yeah you like you're the terrorist and definitely it's so- and it's so arrogant also i just don't like it when you know that like sort of countries like australia and well i guess it's every country in their own way but like you know the people that think they can go in and just fix a country by bombing it it's like you don't even know anything about their cultural language Mm. and you think that you can go in with your expensive you know tax funded um you know bombs and airplanes Mm. and just Mm. obliterate it it's so it's like western medicine versus eastern medicine in a way Mm. you know eastern medicine is like take care of yourself all the time and get rid of, you know, and like be healthy long term. Mm. Western medicine's like, oh, is something wrong with you? We'll just cut it off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, obviously, it serves Western medicine. Yeah, and there's great times for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it just shows that, you know, conflict between the two yeah. schools of thought in yeah. a way. Yeah. I love that tried and tested thousands of years of like, like Chinese medicine shit. Like, it works. It got rid of my. Um, hay fever yeah like, you and told the, me it's the, wild. The, the doctor was just saying it was just like lifting my baseline immunity um, and that's like a thing that a lot of western things don't really talk about or like think is real <clears throat> I wonder when we evolved into that you know kind of arrogance yeah the arrogance I just don't know where it came from I'm sure I'm arrogant a part too, of conquering in my own way as a western woman oh yeah yeah, I'm probably riddled with all this ignorance in ways that I can't even see right now. <laughs> we'll see in a couple of months when we've had time to think about it. Yeah, exactly. you know, rooms. Yeah, yeah. So what is your next, what is the next line you're working on with you, Jordan? Well, I've got a line <clears throat> dropping, I don't know why I said drop. It's such an <laughs> I'm a drop it. word. Yeah. I'm going to drop a collection. <laughs> I hope I don't because I might break it. But, um, in like a month, if, if production goes to plan, I'm hoping we can still make it all. Yeah, it's yeah. on track for now, but if not, I'll just hope that everyone wants to buy the same stuff forever until the apocalypse is over and I can pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it should be good. It's really uh, like really kind of like a continuation of the you know jewelry I've been making, but with some ex- like extra renditions and stuff. I'll have mm. to show you some sneak peeks. Yeah, after. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. And we did the shoot in January in Paris. I yeah. flew to Paris, did my lookbook there. Oh, cute. Um, with one of the photographers I work with regularly. And yeah, it's going to be good, I think. So that will be out probably April. I don't know with the current, you know, affairs. I don't know if it'll be on time or mm. 
or anything. And then next collection after that, I'm, I suppose I'll just start working on it now. Mm. I have a lot of time. So, mm. Mm. Um, where, where do you seek inspiration for like what you want to do? It like we're being a creative. Like mm. you can't create in a vacuum. It's kind of feels needs to be inspired by a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think it's as simple as just sitting down and starting to make things and not necessarily overanalyzing. Um, and then it sort of just leads into sort of a, I tap into something. I'm like, oh, I've got a theme here kind mm. of without even mm. realizing just because I'm practicing. Yeah, I think that's like anything. If you sit down and dedicate time, you'll find that something good comes of it, like mm. writing or cooking, you know, without necessarily knowing why you just get better at it. Mm. It's almost like muscle memory or... You know, you probably tap into things that you don't even know you're thinking about as well, mm. you know, on some subconscious level. And then, yeah, so I've got that sort of one way I do. I'm just like, come on, Olivia, just sit down and do some stuff. Like, you know, because I miss it if I'm not making stuff. Mm. And then sometimes it'll be, you know, poetry inspired or like, you know, I'll have an event in my life that means that I'm more inward and thinking about stuff. So I'll, you know, start to think of you know, more from a philosophical perspective and then I'll make from from there or simply like travelling around and seeing shapes. I'm like, oh, that could be a great earring mm. like for some lamp in a Neapolitan palace or something because I lived in Naples for two years before wow. moving back wow. last year, which is just insanely <clears throat> rich with symbolism and mm. architecture and, and I spent a lot of time in Sicily. Because so. symbolism, that's a big part of like why I love like a, a jewelry or like anything imagery is mm. like it reminds me of a thing. Like that's what my tattoos are all about. Like they, yeah. they, they're, they're symbols for of drawings that I did that represented a thing that I went through or yeah. a, a truth that I found in life that wasn't really um, physical, I guess. Yeah. And so trying to make make these kind of things in the ethereal spiritual realm. Mm into a material physical symbol it reminds you of these powerful parts of existence definitely and i think like if you the more i've sort of delved into symbolism the more i've realized there's just it's just absolutely everywhere and also having lived in turkey you know there's all this eastern sort of folklore that you when you speak Turkish or, you know, no Turks, they'll tell you about it. But from, you know, the Australian, you know, upbringing, you're not going to know about these things. So, mm. yeah, I've discovered some stuff that I found incredible. And we try and, you know, really storytell through my work because I want to inspire creativity more than anything. Like the jewellery is sort of the vehicle for that. But I want yeah. people to feel <clears throat> like they can ask questions and, you know, choose what they're wearing because they know what it means mm. or the intention behind it at least. I think that's important to me um, rather than just making an object. I don't think I'd necessarily feel good just making something. Mm. Um, I don't even think I could when I think about it. But, you know, there are mm. – I've been like – I found that my jewellery has been like sent to China and copied. And then, oh, really? Yeah, and then what happens is they've got these catalogs. So if I would just make an appointment as someone that wants to have a jewellery line and I'd just go to this manufacturer and they'd have sort of a catalogue and then my stuff is in there. So it's actually not their fault. Like it's, I don't know who is really responsible for this stuff, but it hap- it's happened quite a lot where I've had my jewellery like completely just copied. And I'm just like, well, I guess it's a nice reminder in a way that I'm doing something that isn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they profit from my jewellery yeah. and my brain yeah. and make money. But 
at the end of the day, I'm like, it used to really irk me. And now I'm like, well, I'm glad that I had the idea first and I've already released that jewelry and people associate that with my brand, Mm. but I'm not going to waste time on fighting Mm. it because it's just, you're never going to get to the bottom of it. If it's Mm. in some factory in China, how? It would take a lot of energy to fight that. I don't even think I could, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that would be that would fucking that's would be piss you off, wouldn't it? Oh, uh, in the beginning, it really annoyed me. Yeah, like there's this designer I use that word lightly in Australia who bought from my website and then sent my piece to China to be molded, and then the piece was on her website. I was like, but I can, tr- you're not even a good thief because I've got your information on my back end. <laughs> Like, at least send it to your parents' place. Yeah, at least do it so that I can't trace you. And then she just blocked me on social media and like blocked me everywhere. I'm like, that is so childish. Come on, like you know, if you can steal from my website and then mold it, like at least face the music. Like we can talk about this like adults, but don't pretend. Anyway, so you know, stuff like that goes on Mm. in the industry. It's pretty ugly, Mm. but I don't know. What can you do? Yeah. Now I'm just like, well, good luck to you. Mm. Honestly, like Mm. child. (laughs) But yes, I don't know. It's weird. Where do you see, do you ever, how do you get in the creative mindset of like being inspired or wanting to sit down and starting to create? I sometimes have to just break myself out of the routine mindset that we get ourselves into as like functioning beings of society. You know, Mm. like I have to be like, okay, Olivia, now you're going to, go put your phone down Mm. stop listening to whatever's drivels on the radio or the television Mm. um i often just will put on a podcast um i like on being do you know on being yeah she talks a lot with krista tippett yeah yeah she talks she's great because she does a lot of things about poetry i love poetry so i often will listen to that while i you know mold away Mm. or music or I'll watch a documentary, sort of, I'll have it on while I'm doing stuff. But nothing that's asking me to necessarily engage other than inform me, if you know what I mean. Mm, mm. So I'm not going to watch, like, a soap opera while I'm um, making stuff. Because I feel like, I don't know why, it just feels like it splits my attention. Whereas if I'm listening to something that's informative, I feel like mm. it's almost like a chain of information in a mm, way. And then mm. I just continue to do my thing. It doesn't feel like it distracts me. Mm. Um, otherwise just silence because often we don't have enough silence i think these days <laughs> i agree i actually think i'm with, I, a lot of ideas when i'm meditating when you just the, when you calm down your body and then you just like all these things just come up like, oh that's an f- interesting idea like it yeah. shit just bubbles up from the unknown it just yeah and you can have all these lovely ideas definitely so yeah i think sometimes it's mainly just me mindfully breaking the cycle of daily life and mm. just sitting down and being like, okay, now just make something. And then it sort mm. of starts from there. And I think that's like any, anybody that has a practice, like you're going to have to force yourself to break mm. the cycle. You know, you can get up, have your coffee, get going, start all your stuff. And then it's really hard to be like, now I'm going to sit down and meditate. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm. or now I'm going to sit, sit down and do my like yoga or stretches or, mm. you know, Got, it's it's really asks of you to be quite strong minded. Yeah, yeah. To have a practice of anything now, everything just gets morphed into one. We scroll, we like, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
you, do you do much collaboration with other artists? Like, I was thinking then when you were talking about love and poetry, my friend Bo Taplin's a great poet. Oh. And, like, you guys make so much sense in my mind. Obviously, you need to talk because it's nothing to do with me. It's you two. But, <laughs> but it would look a beautiful thing. Like, for example, like him writing a piece for every for every individual piece that you make and you guys do a joint series together somehow. Yeah, that'd um, be... Or, like a, or a, a series of poetry, i.e. that complement the series of jewellery. Yeah, I know his work. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I generally, like, I guess I feature a lot of people's work via my page somehow mm. or, like, through the new podcast that we're doing and we do newsletters. Mm. Um, I think people like that because I'm not really the jewellery for me is sort of like an extension of my creativity, but it's also, like, to promote a lifestyle of, mm. you know, being curious. Mm. So I like to introduce people to concepts or things that I've discovered while overseas and sort of let them then discover it for themselves. That's so, cool. Yeah, so we do like a fortnightly um, newsletter that we send out, which has got, you know, it's nothing to do with selling jewellery. It's actually because we're like, oh, we found this really cool That's story so cool. we're going to tell and send out. And I think... Which is so important it. for like a brand or a product is like, if you like, is having a having that purpose or intention, right? Yeah. Creating culture in it. If I like, if I look at my brand, I think that for me, it feels like a breathing entity. Like I don't want it just mm. to make it about like, how can I market this and sell? Because mm. I, well, I don't think that would sit well with me, but also I feel like I've brought it up as a child from the mm. very like mm. beginning with my own hands. So it feels like I do, I owe it the due respect to, you know, let it breathe as well and have its own sort of value system and mm. morals and opinion as well. Mm. Like you, As a brand, you can have an opinion. Mm. You know, I think a lot of brands think they need to be apolitical to, get by but I actually think people are now looking for brands as role models you know in a way just be a voice for a thing yeah Yeah. and to like give people make them feel like seen and heard and worthy because I think for so long brands have taken away people's um, agency to make decisions because they're like if you want to be cool you need to wear this Mm. and so then people obviously looking for validation if they haven't necessarily worked out that they can validate themselves for themselves you know they're going to look for external sources so I think if I look at me 10 years ago, I would have liked someone to be like, no, no, you're fine the way you are, like, other than my mum and dad hmm. and, you know, very close friends. But I think, yeah, I, I want to be careful about the message that I give out mm-hmm. to young people in full knowledge that there are people under the age of 18 that follow me. Mm. So I'm not going to post, you know, unhealthy messages on Instagram. Like, it, it's important to me that the messaging is healthy and, you know, well-rounded. Mm. And you, you feel like that's that feel is where you derive purpose from in like putting out into the world things that mean something to you. Yeah, and I think like in a way like brands should ideally, other than make money because you need money to continue and to have a profit to live off, which is just normal. And I think it's silly when people say I don't do it for the money. Well, I do as well, of course, because mm-hmm. I need to live. Um, but other than that, like I want to make you know sort of a template of a brand that then people can do a better version of in the mm. future. Mm. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this forever and I don't want to be like the Steve Jobs of jewellery. Like I'm trying to just do something that makes people feel good, that they enjoy wearing, obviously make a profit and pay people so that those people have jobs. Mm. But at the end of the day, like it's, you know, a template of a kind of, you know, brand that most people would be able to do if they just sat down and worked their asses off for 10 years <laughs> um and other than that like yeah I just think for me 
it's like a child that like is growing up and is evolving and that people could do better, a better job of in the future. Mm -hmm. Like I'm very happy to admit that in, you know, 20, 30 years, I'm probably not going to have the esteem to do it anymore. So someone else will take over or make a better version. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, keep doing it until then because we love your stuff. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for chatting and opening up about your story. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Now I'll go back into lockdown. <laughs> Make sure you wash the soap all over your hands. I will. How long do, are you meant to lather, like lather and then, and before you rinse? I heard 30 seconds or two rounds of happy birthday, but I just, I just do it until I feel like it's thoroughly done by I'm my not, My hands are just so dry these days, uh, have yeah. you noticed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then we have to get some really good hand, hand cream. cream. Yeah. Or some, I find some soaps don't dry them out. Like I've got that um, Dr. Bronner's. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got one of them too. And I've got an old like traditional Turkish hammam soap. Oh, yum. With olive oil base. Oh. But like, and it just reminds me of going and being scrubbed by big mamas in Turkey. That's so on nice. And I'm like. <laughs> but yeah. Getting a scrub down by big mamas. Is that how you had showers there? Wow, Jez, if you really want to get into it, I could tell you. But it's like, have you ever been to a hammam? No. So it's like they're often sort of their Turkish bath is the English. Oh, yeah. No, I have been to one of them. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so you go in, you sweat for 30 minutes. Yeah. Then someone comes and scrubs all your... Dead skin. Everything. Yeah. Your sins away, everything. Amazing. And then 30 minutes... And then they... They create some new sins exactly, in the meantime. Honestly. <laughs> You come out, you're squeaking. That's how clean you are. Wow. And then they give you a massage, lather you up, rinse you off. You sit in between some big lady, like they're big. Oh, amazing. Big lady's um, legs. She like does your hair. Wow. You feel like you're three. It's great. Oh, my gosh. I just want one now. Wow. That mm. feels so nurturing. It is. Yeah. And no body complex. Everyone's just naked. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Shit. I want to do that. What I think it? maybe part of this... Well, maybe after the coronavirus is gone, but like we should, you it's know, not the opposite social a, distancing. Yeah, um, um, like revolution in Melbourne. Yeah, should find a t- the Turkish community and look for investment. That's so fun. That'd be really like in this in this culture, it would be a real saucy thing. Definitely, yeah. we're very weird about bodies yeah. here. I'm yeah. not anymore, thanks to Turkey. Yeah, because they're just like, okay, yeah, yeah. take off, and then yeah. they like, yeah. lie down, they slap your bum to tell yeah. you to turn over. Yeah. You've got breasts from women you've never met, you know, touching you as they scrub you. It's, yeah, I mean, it's like, it is what it is. Who cares? It's just Calm a body. Down. Yeah, yeah. On the end of the, at the end of the day, yeah. so that's cool. Refreshing. Yeah, that's that is refreshing. I find a lot of places like that with ancient or like older cultures in yeah. Europe are like um, just a lot more mature about things. Yeah, and it's like here maybe you'll see a woman in the street showing more of her body, and maybe less so in Turkey. But behind closed doors in Turkey, you know, within people, you know, within the home or with people you're comfortable with, or in those like all women environments because it's all women and all men for her mum. Mm. They're just like, it's just my body. Mm. My body, I made children. I like cook every day. I'm mm. like, you know, mm. and they don't even look at you as though you're anything weird mm. except to tell you, I'm a bit skinny. Have you got no money to make, to buy bread? <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You Other look poor. That, yeah. yeah. Like, Jenna, what happened to you? It's like, I maybe lost like 300 grams, but they'll notice. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Olivia. Good thank luck on you. your endeavours into the world outside. Thanks. There's no traffic, no one on the road. Oh, easy. So I'm just going to drive home, pick up the dogs and take them for a walk. And Fun. That's my rock and roll. What day is it today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. I've lost track. Yeah, I had to think as well then. I felt like you was a maths quiz. <laughs> <laughs> That's a love. Thank you.